that our scripture this week is from the first chapter of the book of Mark. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent. Believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called to them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The Gospel of our Lord. Last week I was verbally processing, as I do, um, the experience of getting caught behind this car that was stopped in the middle of 139 as we were almost home after being away for a while. Um, if you were here, you already know the story. If you weren't, long story short, um, we found ourselves sitting here and just waiting and waiting and waiting, and finally the car just made a U-turn and started driving the other direction. And as we processed a little bit last week, it was frustrating. I'm not sure why it was frustrating. I think it was frustrating because everyone is supposed to just keep moving in the right direction, to keep going where they are headed, to keep doing the thing that they are doing. We expect progress, right? Who doesn't want some progress? Who doesn't want to climb a ladder? Who doesn't want tomorrow to be better than today or our kids' futures to be brighter than our own? We all want things to be linear and to move forward. And the idea that someone would have the gall in public to admit that sometimes we go the wrong direction is just aggravating. It's annoying to be confronted with the fact that sometimes we find ourselves in need of turning around. And our gospel this week from Mark is sort of a continuation from another perspective of what John was saying, um, the gospel of John, saying about John the Baptist, calling for people to turn around, to make those U-turns, to repent, to believe that God is present in all of those moments where we are able to be humble enough to say, I should have been going that way all along. And now Mark picks up on this with just this little line that alludes to where the story has gone that says, after John had been imprisoned. I mean, let that just sit for a little bit, the, the gall of someone admitting in public that it is good for us to say when we are wrong. That it is good for us to sometimes turn around and make those U-turns, whether there's a sign allowing them or not. It is good. It is holy for us to gather in community and lay to bear all those things that we would like to modify and shift and change so as to go in another direction. That is what gets John imprisoned. And picture this, that for whatever reason, it is not just annoying, it is antagonizing. It is earth-shattering for us to hear this message that U-turns are okay, that God calls us to, to repent and to turn and to change things sometimes. That, that was so threatening to the authorities, the powers that be that are able to imprison John, that it landed him in this place that is going to lead to a very poor outcome. Um, spoilers, if you don't know the story. But think about this. I mean, think about this. It is 
totally undermining all of the things that cause stability and security in our world if we are to admit that sometimes we are wrong and need to change our opinions, our perspectives, our direction. Because after all, if we can mess things up or find ourselves just slightly off course and moving in the wrong way, then surely those people who we entrust to lead us can find themselves in the same spot. And that's dangerous when we start to say that maybe everyone, not just you and me, but all of us have things that we should say, we're not quite right. I've changed my mind. I've learned. I've grown. Oh, that, that undermines a lot of authority. That threatens a lot of power. Or maybe, maybe it is just this myth that we tell ourselves, that like Disney ending, that everyone is sort of on this linear trajectory and it's all going to work out fine and all we have to do is stay to the course and, and somebody will come in and sweep us off our feet and it will all resolve and everything like a good crime drama in 48 minutes or less is wrapped up and we know the solution and the answer and you have to stay the course. Well, if we are called the holy U-turns, if God reminds us that we are people who are meant to repent, to say, maybe this is not going to resolve and we need to try something new. Well, that undermines the whole narrative that we can tie things up in a neat and tidy bow. It is challenging, and it is the groundwork for the story of Jesus calling the disciples in Mark. So often we hear this gospel, and we hear that Jesus walks up to some fishermen and says, come follow me, and what do they do? They'd say, all right, sounds great. No problem. Easy. They were prepared this was probably not their first encounter with what Jesus was sharing or, or beginning to teach, but also we know because of John and John's imprisonment and this very public confrontation that happens between John and all the people and the authorities, that they were prepared. And how were they prepared? They had had this idea inculcated into their brains. They had been simmering and sitting with this notion that God calls us sometimes to make U-turns to repent, to shift, to change, to learn, to grow, that that is holy and good, that that is the start of what God is up to in our lives and in this world. They were prepared for that. So then when Jesus comes along and says, come follow me, they were waiting for something new. You ever think that the thing that you're waiting for, the new thing, is just a better thing? Or is just what they have? <laughs> Or if only I could go and, and do that thing or have that job or be in that place. I never picked up on this before, um, but you have Simon and Andrew, the first two people that Jesus wanders up to. And it says that they are casting their nets, they're fishermen. Um, and then they drop their nets, they follow Jesus. And then we get to um, James and John, and there's a little different um, conversation. Was it James and John? I don't want to like misquote. The, this is, it's been a long week. Yeah, James... Brother of John, okay, yeah, son of Zebedee. Anyway, long story short, they are a family business. We have James, John, Zebedee, the dad. It's like Zebedee and sons fishing, right? Um, it says they have hired hands. They're mending their multiple nets. But I wonder maybe if Andrew and Simon are down the way casting their one, night out of, one net out of their one small boat and looking at James and John and co. and thinking if only our business was that size and scale. Maybe we would live in a different place. Maybe we could have other people go out on the windy days and fish for us. I wonder if James and John were inheritors of a family business they never signed up for. Some of us maybe have been that generation where people had to say, are you going to take it or not? Do you want to continue in our legacy? Or are you going to let everything we've worked so hard for disappear? 
mean, you can feel that weight, that pressure. Maybe they were ready to, for a change. They were geared up to say yes because they had heard this reminder from John as he baptized in the Jordan. It is good, it is holy to repent, to shift, to alter our perspectives, to gain new information. This is not a weakness. This is the very beginning of listening and following God's call to us to see where he leads in this world. I mean, this is the story we have in Mark. We have Jesus wandering upon these first four disciples and saying, come follow me, and they come and follow, but not because it was easy, because they were prepared. We live right next door on a regular basis. I see people driving this direction, and then they just decide, while going 45 miles an hour, that they're driving in the wrong direction, and they literally just spin around in this road across from us and start taking off the other way. All the time. I mean, you would think that's like an occasional, like, what's going on? No, we hear the horns, and we see the flip. I mean, we, I think, can relate to those moments in life where we have resisted change. We have not admitted to ourselves that we are not heading the way that we're supposed to be heading for so long that it gets to that critical point that we just cut people off and spin around. And it is disruptive. It's disruptive to our own lives. It's disruptive to others. And we have this beautiful gift in these first narratives of Jesus inviting us to follow where God is leading in this world that say, oh, you do not have to stay the course so long that you find yourself just without any other options. You are able again and again and again to reinvent to make U-turns, to repent, to try new things, to be changed by other people. This is holy and good and prepares us to then follow where God is leading. Jesus calls these four and more to be disciples, to be students, to be learners. This is dangerous because we live stream, but I will never forget the first Thanksgiving that my sister came home from college her freshman year because she had learned everything. In like two and a half months, she knew all of it. My dad has a PhD and a couple of master's degrees and she was telling him how the world was and the way that it should be and oh, so many thoughts. And I was young and impressionable and I think for a hot second believed her. And then life happens and humbles us and we realize that this call that Jesus makes to these students is to learn, is to be changed, is to work on themselves, is to allow the, the inputs and the perspectives of others not to, to solidify our beliefs, but to expand them, not to shrink down our world to bite-chise, manageable, knowledgeable chunks, but instead to expand it to the point that we recognize and realize this world is big and beautiful and holy and God is so much larger than our theology or our brains or our worship that we are never going to understand or truly be able to embrace what God is doing in this world or our lives, but we can make all sorts of shifts and changes that allow us to learn and grow and experience even more. That is the invitation that Jesus makes for his disciples, for these learners, these students, as he walks by and they are prepared. So they say, all right, we'll go. You don't have to raise your hands, but has anybody ever found yourself in a situation where you realized you are not a student? Or maybe you enjoy learning, but not that. Or maybe you enjoy learning, but not from them. 
there is this reality that uh, the call that that Jesus makes, that God calls us to, it can be intimidating. It can seem like we are not prepared or smart enough or, or have the right background or mentality in the moment. And then Jesus shares this little gift in the middle of this hard work of admitting that we don't know things, that we're going in the wrong direction sometimes, and all these U-turns and shifts and changes, their willingness to drop it all and follow. He says, oh, come and I will make you fishers of people. You're already fishermen. You already know how to fish. That is your authentic self, <laughs> to steal a more modern phrase. I mean, that is who you are and what you know. Allow me to expand that just a little more so that you can use already who you are, your skills, what you know, what you are good at, to do something for the sake of others, for all people. To see how God is able to use you as you are, exactly as you have been made to be, to do new and unexpected things that you never thought were possible in your life because you thought you just had to stay the course and stick to the direction you were traveling no matter what. And it is such a gift to hear those words. I am going to help you be more you. The call to follow God is to be ourselves and to be open to how God will help us to tap into and grow into all of those gifts and those seeds, those bits of knowledge that we have gathered, to see how we have so much to contribute, to add to this world, to God's mission of sharing this good news that we are loved, accepted, included, part of something larger that does not end. I mean, we get to do that not by reinventing all things, but by being more fully who we are. That is this invitation Jesus makes to these disciples to follow him, to not just fish with your nets for fish, but to be people who fish in this world in a way that, that truly impacts and connects to others. You don't have to reinvent all the things you know and are. Put another way, um, the thing that both groups of people are doing when Jesus encounters them is what? Did anyone pick up on this? What do you do if you throw nets into the ocean? They get snagged on stuff. They get holes ripped in them. It takes a lot of work and energy and effort to mend our nets. I got a lot of little holes that I have others participate in ripping open in my life. I have a lot of little holes that I rip open for myself because I'm careless or not paying attention and those things just slip out or we just do them. I mean, we have a lot of holes in our lives that develop in our nets that need mending, Jesus says, you still keep doing that as you follow me, as you learn and grow and, and discover what God is doing in this world. And, and the reason if you are a fisherman that you mend your nets is so you can keep catching fish. If you don't take care of your nets, well, they're expensive. You might not have enough money to replace them. If they have holes in them, the fish might have a way out. I mean, it's a very important part of fishing, not just to throw the nets in the ocean, but to actually take care of them, to mend them, to work at them. They know that. That's what they're all doing. They're not on a rest break. They're still working at this thing that is just common knowledge. It makes sense to put in that energy and effort so that you are more effective when you go back out and fish again. And Jesus says, oh, you know how to do this. This is perfect. You are able to recognize a hole when you see one. You are able to mend it by taking a little tiny bit of time and attention to pull it all back together. You know how important that is because the work that you do is important and you're not going to be able to do it otherwise. I tell you what, come follow me and I will show you how to work on mending your own nets, finding your own holes, your own hurts, 
those moments that you wish you could take back or, or set aside. I'll, I'll help you find all of those little holes that have kept you from being who God has made you to be, gathering others up in God's love and acceptance so that we can give thanks and experience fully this life in this world. Come follow me and I will help you fish for people. And what is the first step in fishing with a net? It is to check it for holes, to help one another patch and repair them so that we can be more effective as we go out and do that work in this world. I mean, here is the other half of this good news of God calling us to participate in what God is up to in this world. We are reminded that we are not the only ones with holes in our nets, and that it takes all of us to help identify and patch them up. And that is first and foremost, before we are able to go out and be all that God has made us to be in this world. And that's why we gather together each and every week and lay down those things that are just weighing on us in such a way that we cannot carry them anymore. That is why we, in our best as Christian community, are willing to make those U-turns publicly to repent to say, I ripped a really good size one this week, and I could use some help pulling those pieces back together so that I can again go out into this world recognizing that I am loved and blessed and made in God's image to share those gifts with others. And may we be people who are unafraid to acknowledge and point out all the holes in our nets to empathetically and with humility listen to the ways that others have experienced holes in their own lives and their own nets to help one another knit them back together again so that we can spin around, turn around, repent, change, go a different direction, prepared, ready to do this work that God has called us to do. To recognize that we already are who we are, who God means us to be, but we are able to help one another, point ourselves in the right direction, prepare ourselves by healing and and pulling together all those moments and points that are still wrong and open so that we are able to be God's disciples in this world, to follow Jesus and hear this good news that starts with repentance, spinning around in public, letting people know that we are wrong and full of holes and blessed by a God who gives us community, calls us together so that we may still be equipped and patched up to do God's work. I'm not going to diagnose all the ills and ills of our society. I'm poorly educated and equipped for that. But I think just a little tiny piece of it comes from the fact that we have a whole lot of holes in this world that we just like to ignore, that we just do not want to admit exist. It's really hard to patch them up if you're trying not to look at them. And it's really hard to learn and grow if you are so committed and moving one direction that even though you have passed your destination and and blown by other other things on the way, if you just have to keep moving because this is the way I chose and this is the way I'm going to do. Oh, it's just, it breaks our hearts. And we know that and we see that. May we be people who hear this good news that we are able as a community to stumble and struggle to model what it looks like to publicly turn around sometimes, to mend those holes, to point them out. Because I think there's a lot of others in our lives and our community that could use a little help mending themselves, could use the permission giving to say it is okay to shift and change, to chart another course, to turn and grow. 
I mean, that is what it means to be called by Jesus to be disciples. It is to mend one another's nets. It is to help others mend their own. It is to realize that we are able to give permission to help one another shift and change when the moment arises so that we can better see and participate in God's love flowing out through this world, pulling us all to something different. Amen?